On December 15, 2018, the American College of OBGYN released a practice update, kind of an alert, regarding the use of subcutaneous 17-hydroxyprogesterone for the prevention of preterm birth. In this session, we're going to cover that ACOG practice update. Back in June of 2003, in the New England Journal of Medicine, Mies et al. out of the Maternal Fetal Medicine Units Network published the prevention of recurrent preterm birth by administration of 17-alpha-hydroxyprogesterone caproate. This multi-center study confirmed that weekly injection of 17P resulted in a substantial reduction in the rate of recurrent preterm delivery among women who are particularly high risk for preterm delivery and reduced the likelihood of several complications in their infants. This original MEES study, that's a lead author, M-I-E-S, or MEES, was conducted as a double-blind placebo-controlled trial involving pregnant women with a documented history of spontaneous preterm delivery. Women were enrolled at 19 clinical centers between 16 and 20 weeks and were randomly assigned by a central data center in a 2 to 1 ratio to receive either weekly 250 milligram dosages of 17P or weekly injections of an inert oil placebo. Okay, now we have to step in here and do a clinical pearl as a point of clarification. The mechanism of action of this treatment plan, which is 17-hydroxyprogesterone given IM weekly or even vaginal progesterone, which came out sometime later, the mechanism of action of these treatments and their target organ tissues are not known. Now, whether these agents target the cervix, the decidua, the endometrium, or more broadly, the process of inflammation is not known. Moreover, the optimal dose is actually not well established as dose-ranging studies have not been performed with either 17-hydroxyprogesterone or the vaginal progesterone approach. So, of course, it's not surprising then that the literature has become muddied and full of contradictory findings since the original publication by Mies and the initial studies on vaginal progesterone which followed. Now, remember that IM progesterone is recommended by the college for patients with a prior history of preterm birth, but vaginal progesterone can be given to patients who have the incidentally found short cervix without a history of prior preterm delivery. Now, despite these limitations on the mechanism of action and contradictory findings in the literature, one area in which there is agreement concerns the use of 17-hydroxy-P intramuscular injection in multi-fetal gestations, two randomized clinical trials undertaken by the MFM network, one in twins and one in triplets, concluded that 17-OHP as an IM injection is ineffective in reducing the rate of preterm birth. Now, that's for the IM route, but what about the subcutaneous route of administration for 17-hydroxy-P? Let's take a look at that next. On December the 15th, 2018, the American College of OBGYN released a practice update regarding the new formulation of 17-hydroxyprogesterone in a subcutaneous formula. 
ACOG is aware of a number of questions that have arisen regarding this use of subcutaneous 17-hydroxyprogesterone for the prevention of preterm birth in women with a history of a previous spontaneous preterm birth. Remember that the MEGS original study used intramuscular 17-hydroxyprogesterone. The questions primarily address the use of this particular formulation in the absence of clinical outcome regarding the safety and the efficacy of a subcutaneous rather than an intramuscular route of administration. The subcutaneous 17P autoejector was approved by the FDA for this indication in 2018. Approval was based on the FDA's regulatory process for approval, which requires demonstration of comparable bioavailability or bioequivalence to the reference drug in question. Remember, the reference drug was the IM formula. The approval of the manufacturer's supplemental new drug application for the auto-injector was based on pharmacokinetic data demonstrating comparable systemic bioavailability between the IM and the sub-Q in menopausal women. So the FDA's regulatory processes do not require clinical endpoint studies. So based on the comparable system bioavailability in menopausal women, it was concluded that IM and sub-Q should lead to comparable benefit in pregnant women with regard to preterm birth. Now remember, this is how the FDA approved the subcutaneous injector instead of IM. And remember, this was done from pharmacokinetic data in menopausal women. So here is the statement from the ACOG practice update. ACOG acknowledges that clinical outcome data is not available for sub-Q 17-hydroxy-P specifically, nor is bioequivalent data available in pregnant women. Clinical outcome data is available for the use of IM17P, but none for the sub-Q. It is important to note that the FDA's regulatory processes related to bioavailability and bioequivalence applies to numerous drugs currently approved and available, including many generic medications. The approval of sub-Q17P was therefore in accordance with the regulatory processes that have been in place. Future research regarding identification of a dose-response relationship for both IM and sub-Q17P, as well as bioequivalent studies in pregnant women and clinical outcomes with the use of a sub-Q17P would be beneficial. Additionally, it is also important that introduction of sub-Q17P should not impact availability, cost, and reimbursement based on the formulation and route of administration opted for by the healthcare provider and the patient. All right. So what does all that mean? Well, in short, ACOG does admit and recognize that there really is no data on the safety or the efficacy of subcutaneous 17-hydroxy-P for the prevention of preterm birth like there is for the IM route. However, it does admit that the bioavailability and biopharmacokinetics seems to be there. It does call out for the need for more data proving that the subcutaneous route of administration is the same as the IM for the prevention of preterm birth. Now, it's important to note that ACOG did not restrict the use or recommend against the use of subcutaneous 17P, but just called out its limitations and calls for more data. Well, 
that's our quick review of the recently released practice bulletin regarding subcutaneous 17-hydroxyprogesterone compared to the traditional and the original IM route of administration for the prevention of preterm birth. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.